Chapters 37 and 38 of The Torrents of Spring by Ivan Turgenev, translated by Constance Garnett. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. 37. Sanin proceeded to expound his case, that is to say, again a second time, to describe his property, not touching this time on the beauties of nature, and now and then appealing to Polozov for confirmation of his facts and figures. But Polozov simply gasped and shook his head, whether in approval or disapproval it would have puzzled the devil, one might fancy, to decide. However, Maria Nikolaevna stood in no need of his aid. She exhibited commercial and administrative abilities that were really astonishing. She was familiar with all the ins and outs of farming. She asked questions about everything with great exactitude, went into every point. Every word of hers went straight to the root of the matter and hit the nail on the head. Sanin had not expected such a close inquiry. He had not prepared himself for it. And this inquiry lasted for fully an hour and a half. Sanin experienced all the sensations of the criminal on his trial, sitting on a narrow bench confronted by a stern and penetrating judge. "'Why, it's a cross-examination!' he murmured to himself dejectedly. Maria Nikolaevna kept laughing all the while, as though it were a joke. But Sanin felt none the more at ease for that, and when in the course of the cross-examination it turned out that he had not clearly realized the exact meaning of the words repartition and tilth, he was in a cold perspiration all over. Well, that's all right, Maria Nikolaevna decided at last. I know your estate now as well as you do. What price do you suggest per soul? At that time, as everyone knows, the prices of estates were reckoned by the souls living as serfs on them. Well, I imagine I could not take less than five hundred roubles for each, Sanin articulated with difficulty. Oh, Pantaleone, Pantaleone, where were you? This was when you ought to have cried again, Barbari! Maria Nikolaevna turned her eyes upwards as though she were calculating. Well, she said at last, I think there is no harm in that price. But I reserved for myself two days' grace, and you must wait till tomorrow. I imagine we shall come to an arrangement, and then you will tell me how much you want paid down. And now, basta così, she cried noticing Sanin was about to make some reply. We've spent enough time over filthy lucre. Ardemant les affaires. Do you know what? I'll let you go now. She glanced at a little enameled watch stuck in her belt. Till three o'clock. I must let you rest. Go and play roulette. I never play games of chance, observed Sanin. Really? Why, you're a paragon though i don't either it's stupid throwing away one's money when one's no chance but go into the gambling saloon and look at the faces very comic ones there are there 
there's one old woman with a rustic headband and a moustache simply delicious our prince there's another a good one too a majestic figure with a nose like an eagle's and when he puts down a taller he crosses himself under his waistcoat read the papers go a walk do what you like in fact but at three o'clock i expect you de pied ferme we shall have to dine a little earlier the theatre among these absurd germans begins at half past six she held out her hand sans rancune n'est-ce pas really maria nikolaevna what reason have i to be annoyed why because i've been tormenting you wait a little you'll see there's worse to come she added fluttering her eyelids and all her dimples suddenly came out on her flushing cheeks till we meet sanin bowed and went out a merry laugh rang out after him and in the looking-glass which he was passing at that instant the following scene was reflected maria nikolaevna had pulled her husband's fez over his eyes and he was helplessly struggling with both hands thirty eight oh what a deep sigh of delight sanin heaved when he found himself in his room indeed maria nikolaevna had spoken the truth he needed rest rest from all these new acquaintances collisions conversations from this suffocating atmosphere which was affecting his head and his heart from this enigmatical uninvited intimacy with a woman so alien to him and when was all this taking place almost the day after he had learnt that gemma loved him after he had become betrothed to her why it was sacrilege a thousand times he mentally asked forgiveness of his pure chaste dove though he could not really blame himself for anything a thousand times over he kissed the cross she had given him had he not the hope of bringing the business for which he had come to wiesbaden to a speedy and successful conclusion he would have rushed off headlong back again to sweet frankfort to that dear house now his own home to her to throw himself at her loved feet but there was no help for it the cup must be drunk to the dregs he must dress go to dinner and from there to the theatre if only she would let him go to-morrow one other thing confounded him angered him with love with tenderness with grateful transport he dreamed of gemma of their life together of the happiness awaiting him in the future and yet this strange woman this madame polozov persistently floated no not floated poked herself so sanin with special vindictiveness expressed it poked herself in and faced his eyes and he could not rid himself of her image could not help hearing her voice recalling her words could not help being aware even of the special scent delicate fresh and penetrating like the scent of yellow lilies 
that was wafted from her garments this lady was obviously fooling him and trying in every way to get over him what for what did she want could it be merely the caprice of a spoiled rich and most likely unprincipled woman and that husband what a creature he was what were his relations with her and why would these questions keep coming into his head when he sanin had really no interest whatever in either polozov or his wife why could he not drive away that intrusive image even when he turned with his whole soul to another image clear and bright as god's sunshine how through those almost divine features dare those others force themselves upon him and not only that those other features smiled insolently at him those grey rapacious eyes those dimples those snake-like tresses how was it all that seemed to cleave to him and to shake it all off and fling it away he was unable had not the power nonsense nonsense to-morrow it would all vanish and leave no trace but would she let him go to-morrow yes all these questions he put to himself but the time was moving on to three o'clock and he put on a black frock-coat and after a turn in the park went in to the polozovs he found in their drawing-room a secretary of the legation a very tall light-haired german with the profile of a horse and his hair parted down the back of his head at that time a new fashion and oh wonder whom besides von dönhoff the very officer with whom he had fought a few days before he had not the slightest expectation of meeting him there and could not help being taken aback he greeted him however are you acquainted asked maria nikolaevna who had not failed to notice sanin's embarrassment yes i have already had the honour said dönhoff and bending a little aside in an undertone he added to maria nikolaevna with a smile the very man your compatriot the russian impossible she exclaimed also in an undertone she shook her finger at him and at once began to bid good-bye both to him and the long secretary who was to judge by every symptom head over ears in love with her he positively gaped every time he looked at her Jonhoff promptly took leave with amiable docility like a friend of the family who understands at half a word what is expected of him the secretary showed signs of restiveness but maria nikolaevna turned him out without any kind of ceremony get along to your sovereign mistress she said to him there was at that time in wiesbaden a certain princess di monaco who looked surprisingly like a cocotte of the poorer sort 
What do you want to stay with a plebeian like me for? Really, dear madam, protested the luckless secretary, all the princesses in the world. But Maria Nikolaevna was remorseless, and the secretary went away, parting and all. Maria Nikolaevna was dressed that day very much to her advantage, as our grandmothers used to say. She wore a pink glacé silk dress, with sleeves à la fontange, and a big diamond in each ear. Her eyes sparkled as much as her diamonds. She seemed in a good humour and in high spirits. She made Sanin sit beside her and began talking to him about Paris, where she was intending to go in a few days of how sick she was of Germans, how stupid they were when they tried to be clever, and how inappropriately clever sometimes when they were stupid. And suddenly, point-blank, as they say, a brûle pour point, asked him, was it true that he had fought a duel with the very officer who had been there just now, only a few days ago, on account of a lady? How did you know that? muttered Sanin, dumbfounded. The earth is full of rumours, Dmitri Pavlovich, but anyway, I know you were quite right, perfectly right, and behaved like a knight. Tell me, was that lady your betrothed? Sanin slightly frowned. There, I won't, I won't, Maria Nikolaevna hastened to say. You don't like it, forgive me, I won't do it, don't be angry. Polozov came in from the next room with a newspaper in his hand. What do you want? Or is dinner ready? Dinner'll be ready directly, but just see what I've read in the Northern Bee. Prince Gromoboy is dead. Maria Nikolaevna raised her head. Ah, I wish him the joys of paradise. He used she turned to Sanin, to fill all my rooms with camellias every February on my birthday. But it wasn't worth spending the winter in Petersburg for that. He must have been over seventy, I should say, she said to her husband. Yes, he was. They describe his funeral in the paper. All the court were present. And here is a poem, too, of Prince... Kavrishkin's on the occasion. That's nice. Shall I read, then? The prince calls him the good man of wise counsel. No, don't. The good man of wise counsel? He was simply the good man of Tatiana Yuryevna. Come to dinner. Life is for the living. Dmitri Pavlovich, your arm. The dinner was, as on the day before, superb and the meal was a very lively one. Maria Nikolaevna knew how to tell a story, a rare gift in a woman, and especially in a Russian one. She did not restrict herself in her expressions. Her countrywomen received particularly severe treatment at her hands. Sanin was more than once set laughing by some bold and well-directed word, Above all, Maria Nikolaevna had no patience with hypocrisy, cant, and humbug. She discovered it almost everywhere. 
she as it were plumed herself on and boasted of the humble surroundings in which she had begun life she told rather queer anecdotes of her relations in the days of her childhood spoke of herself as quite as much of a clodhopper as natalia kirillovna Narishkin. it became apparent to sanin that she had been through a great deal more in her time than the majority of women of her age polozov ate meditatively drank attentively and only occasionally cast first on his wife than on sanin his lightish dim-looking but in reality very keen eyes what a clever darling you are cried maria nikolaevna turning to him how well you carried out all my commissions in frankfurt i could give you a kiss on your forehead for it but you're not very keen after kisses i am not responded polozov and he cut a pineapple with a silver knife maria nikolaevna looked at him and drummed with her fingers on the table so our bet's on isn't it she said significantly yes it's on all right you'll lose it polozov stuck out his chin well this time you mustn't be so sanguine maria nikolaevna maybe you will lose what is the bet may i know asked sanin no not now answered maria nikolaevna and she laughed it struck seven the waiter announced that the carriage was ready polozov saw his wife out and at once waddled back to his easy-chair mind now don't forget the letter to the overseer maria nikolaevna shouted to him from the hall all right don't worry yourself i'm a business-like person End of chapters thirty seven and thirty eight